Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for another Inner Revolution cast. I have a special guest, uh, John Straparo with Outside Churchianity. Uh, so great to have you back, John. I love coming back here. We had a lot of fun last time, so of course I'm coming back. Almost too much fun. It was almost illegal. Yeah, no, I thought I saw an <laughs> increased police activity out front when I left. So. <laughs> oh, hey, we got kind of a serious topic today. So um, I was talking with you a little bit about this topic of the aftermath. And it's been in my mind uh, now as our nation, our, our communities, our, just the individuals are kind of recovering from the COVID and uh, we see a lot of physical recovery, uh, but have you have you seen a lot? There's a lot of mental illness that is coming to the surface, and I wanted to spend a couple minutes with you today talking about that and opening scripture today on that. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, just thinking about, um, of course, uh, very troubled with the coronavirus that's happened, but more troubled by the way we've responded. And I think we've kind of created our own monster, if we could say. And if you're listening today, this is uh, really just designed to help us pick up the broken pieces. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes when you break something, it's it's irreparable. Mm. And then there are times when God just says, you know what, I'm not going to fix you, I'm going to heal you. Mm. So it reminds me of a of a uh, an illustration in the 15th century that the, the Japanese had this special um, art called kintsugi. It was when they broke a vessel, uh, they would not repair it with glue, but they would repair it with a gold resin to actually accentuate where the fracture happened. And this became very, very valuable because what they used to repair the vessel was so much more valuable than the vessel themselves. And so this is a, when we were in Japan, we saw this, it's absolutely beautiful. Where actually in, in our natural society, we are trying to hide those weak points, those points of weakness, but God actually pours himself and makes us so much more valuable because he is in the midst of those cracks and those voids. So. Just to kind of open it up here for a few minutes, uh, how do we pick up the pieces really from what we've been experiencing the last year, year and a half? And uh, for you, it may be uh, much different. Uh, maybe you're doing okay. Praise God for that. Um, maybe you're ignoring it and just saying, I'm done with it. And it's kind of pushed out of your mind. Uh, but John, I mean, just as a counselor, it's like it's a huge thing right in front of our faces. And, um, you know, I read this in Psalm, uh, Isaiah chapter 59. It says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. And this is an interesting verse because when truth of who we are in Christ, truth about the situation, truth about how to think with God is is not in a place of primary focus, then justice is not realized, righteousness is not realized, 
and balance is not realized. So before I get you talking, I just uh, I want to read some interesting stats, and I'm sure these numbers are less than what they really are because the natural mind is he's a denier, right? But um, really, in 2020 to present, uh, we're experiencing 19% of adults had issues with um, with mental illness. Uh, that's up 1.5 million from the previous year. 24% of adults uh, have ignored the issues of mental illness. So that number is huge, actually. So we're talking millions and millions of people mm. that are suffering that have not really gotten the proper treatment and or the proper um, care. Uh, the youth in particular, depression is, is up 12%. And uh, there's also a number, another number, 60% of youth struggle with depression and are not treated. Uh, so again, in severe cases, uh, this is a severe issue. Um, this, by the way, these stats are on the WHO, the, the, uh, the WHO website, World Health Organization. 10% of Americans, we see mental health in uh, mental health illness is uh, they are again in that twenty seven percent. They're uninsured, so they're unable to get proper care. Suicide up. I think uh, I wrote down here anxiety up forty one percent, especially among young people, and depression up fifty six percent. This is in last year's numbers with young people and suicide rates as well, uh, over up over 30%. So a lot of brokenness, John, a lot of brokenness. And of course, uh, we think about truth falling in the streets, mm -hmm. churches closed, and, and, and really the church is kind of slow to reopen. Um, and people definitely are fragmented and divided. And um, so... Mm -hmm. Thinking of the aftermath, the aftermath, just like a bomb going off. You have that crater, you have the, sh you have all this uh, fragmentation of what was whole now is um, broken into an unrecognizable amount of pe pieces. And, um, but for people, there's hope, right? There's hope. Of course. There's hope, not in being fixed, but in being healed. What would you say about that as we kind of develop this topic today? Well, I think anybody... First of all, we have to ask the question, are you saved? Are you a born again Christian? Because if you're not, then we're just dealing with the human condition, right? If you are a Christian, then that opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for, for healing, for transformation. Um, you, if you try to transform the flesh as an unsaved person, the best that you can hope for is your flesh may be changing the outside but not the inside right we're not being transformed by the renewing of our mind and i think it's critical that you have to ask the question first especially in counseling are you a christian are you a blood-bought born-again christian and if you are then you have the holy spirit inside of you and when i counsel you through the word of god as i'm giving you truth the holy spirit will witness to you on the inside in your mind that what I am saying is true for you at that moment in time. 
So if we can establish that you're a Christian and you're suffering through these things, now we have to convince you that what God has said about you and himself is true, that you are of a sound mind, that he has an expected end for you, that he's going to protect you, Hmm. that he knows what you, you need before you even can ask for it, that he is going to take care of you, that your comings and your goings are completely in his hands, that the matters of life and death are in his hands. And when you start to, to go through truths about your life and about the faithfulness of God, when you have the Holy Spirit and you've been regenerated through the Holy Spirit, it becomes much easier to counsel that person, doesn't it? Yeah. But if you're trying to counsel someone who is not a born-again Christian, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Their spirit has not been brought alive. There's no regeneration. It's difficult to deal with someone the things of the spirit are, are understood by the spirit, right? So if you're trying to give them spiritual answers and they don't have the Holy Spirit, it's going to be very difficult. So mm-hmm. I would first try to uh, uh, just address their soul first. Mm-hmm. What is the, the nature of your soul? What is the state of it? Where is it going? And then if we can get to a place where we can have an understanding that you are a blood-bought, born-again Christian, now we can encourage you through the word and the promises of God, right? And you're, you're going to be yeah. taken care of by God. I mean, every single thing that, you know, I, your worry can't add hair to your head or a day to your life. Mm-hmm. God is in complete control of all of these things. So now we just have to go through promises. Yeah. Promises. I think um, that's so key what you're saying, because if we don't start off in the right place, then we're not going to end up in the right place. I, I think most of counseling really is 70% of counseling is through their peers Mm. where people won't go to someone that maybe uh, really has the experience, but they go to someone they're comfortable with. Now, with any type of counseling, it's really the change of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because no one can wave a a magic wand. I mean, I'm sure sure we'd like to redo the last year and a half of, of our lives, but there's a silver lining. There really is. I mean, Isaiah talks about it here. He says in verse three, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for the truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth. So, you know, a lot of people today, where is the justice? Maybe through loss, loss of house, loss of jobs. I It's interesting. uh, We just read a statistic. 52% of Americans lost their jobs in the last year. That's a huge number. Um, You look at these things and you're saying, okay, God, there's weakness, vulnerability, but a bruised reed, he will not break in a smoking Mm -hmm. flax. You know, just as you like, you finish a candle and it's just, it's not really, um, there's no real light coming out of it, but there's just enough, uh, just a little ember of fire mm-hmm. and it's just smoking up the room. God doesn't just say, oh, that person's not worth it. I'm just going to finish him off. God sure. doesn't do that. No, not God at all. doesn't do that. And um, But to know his promises and to relate to them and make them personal, um, it's not just to you know, take two aspirin, call me in the morning, right? It's <laughs> no, not like no, that, no, right? No. I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm sure you've been through some Christian counseling classes in your Bible college years. And one of the first things that a good Christian counselor has to do first is determine the lie that you are believing. And once you can find the lie that you are believing about yourself, about God or your life or whatever your lie is that you're believing and holding on to, once you identify that, it becomes much easier to deal with whatever is plaguing you. So if 
if your fear and you're and you're believing the lie that you're gonna you're gonna die from a disease, well, you you have to come to the realization that that's in God's hands, but that is completely God and nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. If you're worried that you're not going to eat, that is a lie. God has said that He will feed you today. So we have to identify the lies that you have been fed, so that we can prove to you that it is a lie, and then give you the truth about that lie. So that you are no longer plagued with that fear. Fear, I mean, the battle is for the mind. And the easiest one that the devil can create is fear in, in people. I think fear, anxiety, and I think the numbers prove it out, that that's the number one problem to, in society today is fear. Mm-hmm. So if we can give you all the reasons why there is no reason to fear because of who God is and because of what he's promised us, then that alleviates a lot of that fear and anxiety. Of course, some fear will creep in from time to time and you have to identify it where it came from and what it is and why it shouldn't be in your life. But God is very intimately involved in our lives and he's not going to let anything slip by him. He's in complete control of everything. Nothing escapes him. Nothing slips by. There are no mistakes. God is in 100% complete control and the reason he is that way is because he knew what would happen before the foundation of the world. He already saw it. Mm. So nothing is surprising him. So if you're in a state today uh, that is, that is troubling you, it may be very well because you're just not believing the promises of God. Yeah. I'd say that's super accurate. You know, I, you know, I think we can entertain things that should be cast down. Yeah. I think we flirt with things that we should run from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, you know, the old saying, if you're not making an impact, you're, you're being impacted. Sure. And um, so you look at uh, simply in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. And another passage in John, it talks about it's a spirit of fear. Like yeah. he's not giving yeah. us that spirit. So it's so true, like if we're not uh, focusing on the truth of the promises and we get we get stuck, we entertain those things or flirt with those things that actually can change our thinking about who God is. Mm. You know, Matthew talks about it in 628. It says this, it says, um, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider Mm. the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, uh, will he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? So he's saying here that, you know, I don't know if you've been out on your porch in the morning, you know, the birds are taken care mm-hmm. of, and uh, the Hercules uh, of effort of what it would take to take care of all of the birds and sure. bees and the and the old reptiles, all the animal kingdom and insect kingdom. But God says, I personally take care of them. Am I not qualified to take care of you? So, so John, let me ask you this. Like, okay, let's say we know the facts. Let's say we know the promises. Mm-hmm. Let's say we can quote the verse. But what? how do we live in the experience of what we're saying? Um, how do we live in that power where fear does not lead to panic and anxiety and panic. Mm-hmm. And how is it that we can circumvent that? Well, I think one of the first things we have to do is cast down vain imaginations, right? That exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We have to just cast it down. So that's like a first thing. Like when that thought comes in, fear isn't like something that you pick up at the grocery store. 
It's a very calculated, concerted effort by the devil and his demons to control you through fear of loss of some kind, whether it's loss of life, loss of job, loss of money, loss of friends, whatever that may be. So if he can get you thinking about a potential loss that hasn't even happened yet and control you through that or the fear of a disease, COVID-19, whatever it is that's out there, that's the world system right now. I believe the world system right now consists of fear. That is what the spirit of this age today that we're living in right now is. It's been different things at different times, but I truly believe when you can look at more people than not are having anxiety and depression problems in our society today, then the overwhelming spirit that controls the world system today is fear. All the way all the way to the top where our leaders are, they're in fear as well. Mm. And I think you have to cast down something that that makes you afraid of anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Fear, you know, there is no fear in love, right? Because it involves punishment. You're afraid of something. You're afraid to lose it. There should be no fear. Why do you fear men? Why do you fear anything? The only thing we should fear is God. And that's a reverence. You know, that's a that's a high reverence for the one that created you and died for you and is preparing a place for you in heaven. So if, if these imaginations are coming in to your thought processes that tell you that what God has said is not true, the first thing you have to do is cast it down. And then I think we have to get around the body. We have to get around the word being preached. If you have a, an issue with fear and anxiety, I don't think it's out of the realm of uh, common sense to be listening to two or three or four hours of doctrine a day. Pastor Stevens used to, to tell people that all the time. If they had a particular sin that they were struggling with or some kind of bent that they were fighting against, he said the only way that this can be dealt with is through prayer and through constant listening to doctrine. And that's what you have to do. It's not the easy answer. It's not take two pills and go home and call <laughs> me in the morning. But it's literally if you do these things six months from now, your life will be infinitely better. How do I know this? Because we've done this, haven't we? Sure. What kind of a mess would you and I be in right now if we hadn't decided to do this and made a very intentional decision in our lives to make this a lifestyle in our lives so that these things don't really move us? None of these things move me. Yeah. Because I'm so protected by doctrine and so protected by the promises of God that when these things even try to creep in, it just doesn't make sense to me because it goes against the rewiring that I've had through the word of God in my mind. You know, it's so interesting. I just picked up my car having some brake work done. I was talking to the mechanic and he was, he's a Jewish man and he was kind of saying how much he is um, just not a believer in so many words. And I said, well, that's what religion will do to you. It, it'll tell you the, it'll tell you the ritual, the routine without, without the spirit or relationship behind it. And I, I think as, as believers in these times of crisis, it shows us what we have and what we don't have, what we need and what we need to fellowship with. And I mean, Hebrews talks about in chapter 2, 14 and 15, talks about the fear of death, where the devil has direct control over a person that has a fear of death. And it says all their lifetime, they were subject to bondage in verse 15. It's like, so it's like, if I'm afraid of dying, then maybe I need to ask the question, okay, who has the power over death? So instead of trying to tiptoe through the tulips to the grave, 
uh, I need to find the God, right? Yeah, right. I love that, it. Yeah. That is conquered he has death. Conquered death and has power over the grave. Yeah. And through the cross. I I I might take a little bit of a different stance on this whole situation that we're finding ourselves in with these stats. I would venture to say to you that the vast majority of the people that are experiencing these issues now had them before. Mm-hmm. But because they were sitting at home alone, watching the television, listening to the radio, talking to their family members, living in this spirit of fear, it just put a magnifying glass on what was already there. Mm-hmm. What if God had left Adam alone for an extended period of time? I mean, God said it's not good for man to be alone. What if he had left him in that state for an extended period of time? Mm. God knows where Adam would have ended up, right? So I honestly think that this is just kind of magnifying what might have already been there. But I think it's also allowing people a, an opportunity to finally come to the decision to come to Christ because they've done it the way their way up till now. And it's bringing them to destruction and it's killing them from the inside out. And now people are coming to that end of themselves and coming to a place where the only thing that's left to try is Christ and the cross Mm. and the word of God and his promises. And no one will ever be turned away that seeks for God. Yeah. He doesn't turn anyone away. So if you feel like you haven't been received by God today, could it be that you really haven't sought him? If you seek me, you will find me. Yeah. But you have to seek him with your whole heart, don't you? Don't you have to say, all right, God, no matter what, you have to help me because I can't do anything else. I've tried everything else. You have to help me now. I've come to the end of everything that I can try on this planet, and none of it's worked. I need you now, God. God will answer that prayer. Yeah, don't you think where our hands are full of so much stuff? I think of my son early on when he was eating Oreos. Mm. Like he just had like two or three in his mouth, and his cheeks are bulging. And then he wanted more and he hadn't yet finished what was in his mouth. So it's like, you know, it's that principle of, okay, let's uh, either let go of what we have in our hands. Maybe it's good, but is it really from the hand of God? Mm. (coughs) Excuse me. Or to swallow what we've been chewing on so we can, you know, that whole principle, if you're uh, smelling coffee, you know, or is it smell? Oh, perfume. I think it is. Yeah. After you smell cleanse like all the these palate, different yeah. yeah, colognes, you need something to kind of cleanse your palate. Like you have some coffee beans that sure. kind of kind of reboot your senses. It's the same thing we have to let go so we can receive from mm-hmm. God. Because because think about it. loss like divorce, addictions, uh, houses, material things. I mean, to pick up the pieces of an aftermath, it can't be business as usual or trying to, you know, it's like a puzzle putting things back together my way, but oftentimes God will uh, have things fall apart to put into a new place. Sure. Yeah. I mean, why would would we want to take the old life that was not fulfilling and wasn't really adding any joy or any peace to our lives? Why would we now seek to put all that back together? God allows these things to happen in our lives to bring us to a new place. That is the point. He's bringing us to the end of ourselves so that we can come to his place, his table. Yeah. Mephibosheth, he could have lived out the rest of his days as a cripple hiding out in the hills. But God yeah. said, no, I'm not content to let that happen. I want to go out and seek that one and bring them in. And I want them to eat at my table. 
And yeah. you're going to eat at my table for the rest of your days. And then when your days are done and the number has reached its end, you're going to come to an even better place, place that I'm preparing for you. So, you know, he's always bringing us to something, right? But a lot of times we have to let go of the last place so that we can go to the new place. Yeah, I think that's huge, right? That's huge. Like Second Samuel 9, Mephibosheth, great chapter to read. Like now the king's table covers his crippledness. But I think, you know, people, let's say depression or um, just um, uh, just like defeatism, like, you know, fear of failure or I failed, therefore I'm not going to try again. Hmm. Like we have to let go of that in the sense where we we have trouble letting go of things because this is what we know. This sure. is what we're comfortable. Uh, this is where. You know, I found my identity guys saying, okay, let go of the McDonald's hamburger and I got a steak for you. Yeah, we've got some filet over here, right? (laughs) Like some of your stuff from Pennsylvania. Did you get any of that? Not recently. I'm sorry. I'm very upset about that. that. We were just in Texas, had incredible barbecue. (gasps) That's why you didn't get it. It was during the staff meeting while you were gone. Oh, that's just wrong. That's so wrong. You have time for another divine appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Divine. That's right. Yeah, that's for sure. It's what we know. We hold on to the pain because it's what we know. Well, in the Old Testament, the ashes, the the offering was burned and the ashes were taken out for a clean to a clean place. Mm. So it didn't contaminate the next offering. So it's the same thing here. It's like. Sure, abuse, um, any type of abuse is wicked. Uh, any type of uh, just broke our default. Our default is brokenness. Whatever, whatever was broken, God says, "I'm not going to fix you the same no, way you yeah, were. Right. I'm going to make you Transform. into something brand yeah. new." Mm-hmm. And um, that's the aftermath. Doesn't He give that's us beauty the, for ashes? There it is. Yeah, I mean, think you just brought up ashes, but I mean, we can bring Him our ashes, and He will replace those ashes ashes for beauty. He will give us a beautiful life and an expected end, and he will bless us. Yeah. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, in every way. Because isn't it interesting that when when Jesus healed someone, he healed them completely. And it lasted. It wasn't some temporary thing where it was just a little thing. Like everything that he did, like uh, Mary Magdalene, you know, like he didn't get rid of some of the demons. Right. When he was casting out demons, he got rid of all the demons. And, and that woman was in love with Christ. She followed him. She chased him. She wept over him. She blessed him. And that's what he will do if you're willing to let it go. I think sometimes people don't want to let go of that. That's yeah. their identity. Absolutely. That pain and that that despair is almost comforting to them. Yeah. The self-pity, right? Right. It's like their identity. And if you're not willing to let that go, there's not a whole lot God can do because it's fighting against his truth. You're believing a lie. You're fighting against God's truth. And there's not a whole lot he can do with that unless you're willing to let that go. And it's not easy. I mean, we I'm sure both of us have struggled with that in our lives at different sure. times. We're not coming from a place of perfection speaking about this. I'm sure we've both had you know horrible times in our lives with, with great loss and different things that have come in and into our lives. But we just have to be willing to let that go and to grab on to Christ, grab onto the cross, the renewing of our mind through the word and through the body. And you can't do that while you're holding on to self-pity and despair and discouragement and, you know, allowing the, the situation to beat you down. You know, it's just it's not real, is it? You got to listen to this verse as I'm hearing you talk. 
Uh, Jeremiah 30, 13, there is no one to plead your cause, no remedy for your sore, no healing for you. All your allies have forgotten you. They care nothing for you. I have struck you as an enemy would and punished you as would the cruel because your guilt is so great and your sin is so much. So mm. much. So 30, 13 of Jeremiah, why? There's no remedy because they're doing it their way mm -hmm. and they've not let go and taken a hold of Christ. Because Christ, in Christ, like you're saying, there's healing, mm -hmm. there's a new start. Uh, there's no more lost causes, right? Oh, I'm a victim, so yeah. therefore I'm just lost. And, and, and I enter into that self-pity or that sulking for the guy, he sulks and and he's like uh, so self-oriented and he's like, oh, woe is me. And he's like a crybaby, right? Sure. Nothing wrong with tears, nothing wrong with crying, but a crybaby, that's different. It's like very self-oriented. But here he's saying there's no other way, Isaiah 1, 6, there's no other way for your putrefying sores mm. and your healing um, and you're you're wounds, sick from the t yeah. head from the toe, right? The, the wounds are incurable unless we come to Jesus, unless yeah. we come to Jesus with our brokenness, with our with the aftermath of our dashed dreams, maybe uh, disappointments, trust issues, uh, anger issues, whatever yeah. issue. And a lot of these things can come from our own decisions, our own sin, our own, you know, denying of, of what God has said. You know, and, and but God can deal with that, too. Like, what was the time that David said that his bones hurt? His yeah. bones were dried up because he left God. He sinned and he tried to live in that sin for months. And when he was away from God, his bones dried up. But when he was with God, he was writing Psalms. <laughs> he was writing songs and hymns. So it's not. Uh, you know, unfathomable that, that when you leave God and the truth of God and what he has said about you and how he protects your mind, like the helmet that you put on through the, the armor, it protects you against all of the accusations and the lies and the fear and all that stuff that comes in. When you leave it, yeah, your bones are going to dry up. You're going to hurt. Yeah. Because the only thing that sustains us is the word of God. It's the truth of God. It's Christ who, who is the word of God made flesh. When you run from that and you go your own way, yes, your bones are going to hurt. Everything about you is going to be bad. <laughs> but all it's just a it's moment true. in time when you turn back to God and you cry out to God that he restores you. And it's not just a, a positional restoration. He restores your thinking and he restores your heart. He res restores your emotions through the word of God. And all of that has to happen because you're obedient there's, there's emotion. There's something that happens in your life where you make the decision. You're repenting. You're turning from something to something. Mm. It's not enough just to repent from this wrong direction that you're going in. You have to turn towards God and his word and his truth so that there is some kind of change or you'll just end up going right back to where you were. Yeah. And that's the goodness of God that turns us and changes us the kindness of god that leads men to repentance there it is yeah two yeah. four of romans one of my favorite verses you know it's like we can become bitter or we can become better i heard that recently uh -huh. well, i like that good. it's yeah. like you know god you know there is you know god doesn't say oh you're too far gone no no come to me and i will do the impossible work. for sure uh god says 
uh, I'm the God of the second chance. Well, God, he's the one of the infinite Third, fourth, chance. fifth, yeah. sixth. Yeah, it just never Keep ends. Keep coming. Yeah. Keep coming to God. I mean, what did Paul say? He wrote a third of the New Testament, and he said that sin is dwells with him. It follows him. The things that he doesn't want to do, he does. And the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. He called himself the chief among sinners. Mm. But, you know, it, nevertheless, I mean, he, he, he knew what he was and what was in him. But he kept receiving love. He kept looking to Christ. He kept, you know, believing the promises of what Christ taught him. And that was what got him through all the way to the point of death for the name of Christ. You know, I think about, you know, Peter, all those silly things that he did in his life when he wasn't believing Christ, when he wasn't putting his faith in Christ. But you think about what did he do after he believed in Christ and he was in that upper room praying and the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. He went from cowering in fear up in the upstairs room to standing basically on the rooftop, proclaiming the name of Christ before all of Jerusalem mm. in a moment's time. That's yeah, all it converted. takes. He was converted. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a big distinction there. If you're, if you have not been converted towards the things of Christ and you have not been turned, your, your thinking and your mind and your bent hasn't been turned towards Christ. This is a very difficult way to live your life. Yeah. John, I think as we close, we can idolize our pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how do you, what does that mean to idolize? I mean, if it's always on our mind, if it's something that uh, we wake up thinking about, go to bed thinking about, like whatever that is, it's our idol. It's something ahead mm-hmm. of God. And it's taking us and stealing our joy, stealing our strength, stealing our peace. So you said at the onset, like to saturate yourself in the promises of God. Mm-hmm. This is the only way out, having a diet of the word. And we have to consciously choose that rather than the old record playing over and over sure. and over saying, you know, you're worthless. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're never going to make it. You're not going to make up to anything. You're, you know, this is the way life is for you. You're not in the whole ridiculous lie. Yeah. And, and God's saying, uh, you know, the lie is uh, to be cast down by by presenting or to make have something else meet that line that's the truth of god that we are lovable we are significant we have tremendous eternal value our soul is worth more than the whole world you know i learned of um three different uh suicides happening not in our church but in other uh, circles that i'm in uh of young people Mm. and it's like i talked about that in the last cast it's like how does someone go from discouragement depression and despair how do you interrupt that mm-hmm. wicked, vicious cycle, that downward cycle? It's through, uh, yes, asking for help. Yes, people around you noticing and, and, and uh, what's the word? Um, interjecting. Intervening. Intervening. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And, uh, and then also just saying, hey, I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just receive the love of God because a lot of times when we despair, we're not receiving the love of God. We're trying to earn it or somehow we have a low self image. And therefore we're thinking that somehow that pertains to others, but not to me. It's, it's like we have warped thinking. God's saying, receive my love, experience my love, Mm -hmm. and I'll give you a revelation of my love. The only place you're going to get that is the body of Christ. There it is. I think that there's no other way that you're going to somehow manufacture that in your life apart from the body of Christ. You have to get into a church that knows the love of Christ 
and openly and readily shares the love of Christ with you and get there as much as humanly possible. You get rid of the old friends that support that old way of thinking and get around friends that, that will support you in Christ, who you have been made to be in Christ, supports your call in Christ. Every single person who is a born-again Christian has a call. They have a ministry that God has put on their life. Mm. A lot of people don't, don't find that, and they don't live in it. Many are called, but few are chosen. Lots of people get calls, but they don't put themselves in a place to be chosen and stepping forward in that call. You got to get around people who will support you in the love of Christ so that you can find the life that God has put in front of you to live. Very important. Very like I knew a guy that uh, was rescued out of selling drugs. Mm -hmm. He got saved, but he didn't take those contacts out of his phone. And in moments of weakness, he'd yeah. either receive calls or make calls and he'd reintegrate into his old lifestyle. And you know what? He wound up getting shot to death in a gang in a gang related incident and he's dead. And, uh, you know, I still remember him to this day just being totally transformed. But you mm. can't flirt and entertain things that uh, like it says, flee youthful lust. You can't even manage our, you can't manage your sin. Yeah. So instead of negotiating or having a conversation with the devil, you just take off and you say, Lord, I'm going to run to you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so does an alcoholic keep a bunch of bottles of wine in the refrigerator? Or, <laughs> I mean, you don't, right? I mean, you have to, you got to dump it out. You got to get rid of it all. Stop hanging out with the friends that were supporting that lifestyle and start getting around the word of God, the body of Christ, truth, promises, people who will build you up in the most holy faith yes and start telling you the truth about who god has made you to be nothing else you know john i as as i uh, progress in this walk of faith i i feel like the only way is through radical faith yeah you just you just can't do it halfway mm -hmm. you know it's just like the drug addict they're like they gotta want it how do they do it they gotta take away every opportunity mm -hmm. around them immerse themselves in the body yep uh, and literally cut off anything that has a handle on them. Uh, it's it's so, so important. You have to flee and run unto Christ, like we're well, saying. Well, that's what it means when it says that you're hid in the body. You're, you're hiding from that thing that's chasing after you, that is trying to take your life back, right? Mm. And when you're hid in the body and you're around mature people in the Word and in the body of Christ, they will help to protect you from that thing, whatever that is, the fear, the anxiety, the drugs, the alcohol, the sexual sins, whatever is your thing in your life that troubles you. When you get hit in the body with Christ, that those people can help you with that because they've been there too. Sure. You go, you're, if you go to a real church, like a good church that believes in Christ and the blood of Christ and, and believes the way that we do, we can see the signs yeah. and we can, we can look after you. And we can make sure that you're not making bad decisions. It might hurt for a while. It might be really frustrating. It might be something that challenges your flesh on a moment-by-moment -moment basis for a while. But that's the only way. It's to really be kind of almost reprogrammed out of thinking that is detrimental to your soul and getting programmed by the Word of God, not by people, not by preachers, not by you know churches or cults. It's just being reprogrammed by the Word of God. It's yeah. a rewiring of the mind by the word, getting those synapses reconnected again, but putting them in order so that you can think properly. Yeah, just like Paul said, when we're alienated from the from Christ's life, we become very vulnerable. Uh, 
You've been hearing from uh, John with OutsideChurchianity.us, great uh, podcaster here. Um, if you want to learn more, uh, feel free to tune into OutsideChurchianity.us or InnerRevolution.us. Uh, we're just glad you tuned in today. Drop a, drop us a line, drop us a note, drop us a text or something. We'd love to hear what's going on. Aftermath, it doesn't have to be the end of the story. It can be a new beginning, mm, for sure. new beginning, and it happens in Christ. So, John, thanks again for being with me today. Thanks for having me. I enjoy doing this. You are awesome. Thank you. You are too. With a capital A. Hey. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.